Hey, this is the Mark Butler Show, episode 11. And this week I want to talk about quitting because I'm approaching that point in my business, talking about my one-on-one service that I've been doing for almost four years now, uh, where I'm, I'm a freelance CFO and bookkeeper. I've been at it almost four years, and I always joke, and I say four years is kind of the maximum amount of time that I can, I can spend on any project. I had my sales job at the beginning of my, my working career about 12 years ago. I had that job for almost four years. Then I left that job to go be self-employed and start a membership website that I talked about in episode five and do some other online projects, some software businesses. After about four years, all of those projects wound down, either by being sold or just by being closed down. Then I left self-employment, went back to employment for a couple of years. And while I was employed, I started my freelance CFO business. Well, that freelance CFO business has been going now for almost four years. And I always say, well, I don't have the attention span to stick with something for more than four years. So it's just about time to wind this down and do something else. And the truth is when I launched or when I, when I conceived of the idea for Let's Do the Books, this, uh, this course I've created to help coaches and solopreneurs manage their finances, that really was with the idea that sometime in the next 12 to 18 months, that product would become my full-time income and I would wind down or phase out my one-on-one service. And I'm glad I had that idea because it got me to actually do the work of creating the product and launching it and now it's out there and people are signing up for it and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm learning from it. I'm enjoying interacting with those customers. And I have a vision that in the next few years... Let's Do the Books can really become a great stream of income for me and teach thousands and thousands of solopreneurs how to master their finances, their, their business finances, and their personal finances. So I'm glad I had the idea, and I'm glad I've executed on it. But I've had a change of heart about phasing out of my one-on-one work because I've realized that my main reason for getting out of the one-on-one work is completely invalid. It's the same thing I always I always blame when I'm going to leave a project. I'll say that I'm bored. Well, I'm bored with this. And I think what I really mean is there's some part of me that gets really interested and excited to figure something new out to see if I can make it work. And then once I have the sense that it's going to work, I'm done with it. It's not interesting anymore. But what I'm realizing, maybe this is me growing up a little bit, but what I'm realizing is when you quit something that's working, you start over. So you have to discover a new idea You have to figure out whether it's going to work, whether people will actually pay you for it. You have to establish an audience for that idea. You have to go out and make the sales. You have to build momentum. And building that momentum is hard. And as I move further and further into my life as a self-employed person, I'm I'm asking myself, why would I actually do that? If it's just so that I can get back into something that I'm finding interesting and challenging and new, why not just try to create that situation inside of what is already working? So as I look at my one-on-one service, I'm thinking to myself, I'm in such a rhythm with what I've always done in that service, where I maintain a budget for my clients and I help them manage their cash flow so they don't run out of money, so they know how much they can invest in different areas of their business. That's in a real groove for me. It's not very hard for me anymore and I enjoy it, but it's not challenging. So I've thought to myself, how could I make it new and how could I make it more challenging? And what I've realized is, There's so much room for me to grow inside this service because I don't have to just be the budgeting guy. I can really embrace this title of CFO and I can be the guy who understands everything about the the cash flow and the forecasting and the maintenance of the budget. And I can also bring in much more detailed financial reporting. I can dig into my clients' uh, kind of business analytics where I can look at their traffic sources and their return on their advertising spending. 
and I can help them make better and better decisions about how they spend money on advertising and on product development to actually grow their income and grow, grow their revenue and grow their profit. So I can expand within the same field into areas that are new and a little bit unfamiliar to me that give me an opportunity to learn and grow and be more valuable to the clients that I already have. So I don't have to throw out my business and start over. I can grow inside what's already working. And by choosing not to quit, I put myself in a position to really achieve mastery, to, to stick with this thing long enough that almost by accident or just, just with the passage of time and, and continued focus on the same type of work, I get better and better and better at it until without noticing or realizing, I become world-class at this thing. I become, it sounds funny to say, but I become a world-class bookkeeper, a world-class freelance CFO for my clients. It reminds me of a book called The Dip by Seth Godin. And in, and in The Dip, Seth Godin says, you really should quit anything that you can't become world-class at. If you can't become one of the best in the world at it, or if you're not willing to become one of the best of the world at it, you should quit. And you should go do something where you can become world-class. Because the rewards to the top tiny percent of performers in any area get most of the profit from that. So if you look at, on any professional basketball team, the best player makes many multiples of the worst player or the, you know, sort of the, maybe the worst player is too harsh, but that's really what it is. If you look at the, uh, the world of authors, I read this statistic somewhere, you know, J.K. Rowling has made hundreds and hundreds of times more money than the average, even quote unquote, successful author. Now, people would debate whether or not she's the best author, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about the most successful. So J.K. Rowling, in, in launching Harry Potter and, and following through on a seven-book series, sticking with that over a period of, what, 15, 15 plus years, she achieved massively disproportionate results by, by sticking with it. And what I'm asking myself is, if I just stick in this area, if I just stay in bookkeeping and, and being a CFO and then kind of pulling in business analytics and, and ROI and all of that for my clients, pulling all that in and pursuing that for another five to 10 years, what does that look like in five to 10 years? How big might my business get? How big of a name might I create for myself if I just stick with it? Now that gets exciting to me and that's, that's challenging. And the idea of sticking with it and achieving mastery and building a world-class name for myself in my field is exciting to me. It's more exciting to me than the idea of throwing it all out, starting over with something completely new. So not only am I not going to quit my one-on-one service, but I'm going to embrace it completely, stick with it for the long term, and become world-class at it. Now the reality is, if you look at my business model and my one-on-one service, it is limited, or or it's more limited than other business models. Like uh, in my software as a service companies that I had, those were more unlimited because you build a product once and an unlimited number of people can use that product. As long as you can deliver support to them, the business scales really well. Well, in a one-on-one freelance CFO or bookkeeping service, the scale isn't really there or the opportunity for scale is tough because you have to grow a firm with a bunch of bookkeepers. And maybe that will be part of my journey to mastery, but at this point, that's still not very exciting to me, the idea of scaling up staff. So then the question becomes, do I need to scale? And if I need to scale, what's the best way for me to capture scale in my life and in in my income streams? 
Well, here's how I'm thinking about it. My CFO service is relatively low leverage. It doesn't scale very easily and it's relatively low risk. My income stream is very stable. I work on retainer. I lose clients, but it's not that hard for me to get new clients. So my one-on-one service ends up looking a lot like a traditional day job. It's limited in similar ways to a traditional day, day job, but it's also predictable in similar ways to a traditional day job. In fact, it's even more stable than a lot of day jobs because my, my income risk is spread out across anywhere between 10 and 20 clients at a time. Whereas if you have a traditional day job, your income risk really depends on one, one person, your direct boss, or on the fates of one company, which is the company that employs you. So I have this day job, this day job that is my one-on-one service. It pays me very well, and it actually leaves me a lot of time in my week to work on other things. So I'm in this great situation where I have a day job that allows me to chase mastery, and I have enough time in my day to also pursue scale through a side gig. You might have heard of this author named Nassim Nicholas Taleb, or maybe it's the other way around. I can't remember. Nicholas Nassim Taleb. I, I don't remember. He wrote two books that I can think of. One is called The Black Swan, and one is called Anti-Fragile. He's a risk analyst on Wall Street, brilliant guy, and I'm reminded of what he says is kind of his stock allocation strategy. So, you know, in the world of stocks, people always say, you got to diversify, you want some stocks, you want some bonds, that sort of thing. Taleb says, really what you want to do is you want to have the big percentage of your portfolio be almost zero risk in the form of like U.S. Treasury bonds, that sort of thing. And then you want the remainder of your portfolio to be massively risky, like super, super speculative. The idea being that the vast majority of your allocation isn't really at any any risk of going away. And then you've got this little chunk, this little piece out there that could grow into something massive. It'll be very volatile, could fail, could succeed in a huge way. He said, if you allocate your your stocks that way, if you allocate your money that way, you set yourself up to really protect your principal, but give yourself an opportunity to hit it big. Now, what's interesting about this guy is he kind of applies the same principle to your time. And he says, what you want to do is you want to have a job that is really, really low risk, pays the bills, keeps you comfortable. And you want to make sure that that job leaves you enough time that you could pursue something very risky with massive upside on the side. So in his case, he's a consultant. He's a, I think he's a university professor, very stable, very traditional salaried positions. And on the side, he writes books. Now, books may be a failure. In fact, the average book is probably a failure. But when you write a book, you have the opportunity for that book to get massive, massively successful, right? So that's a prime example of, of, of his stock allocation strategy applied to a time allocation strategy, where you spend the majority of your time in something that is maybe limited, but very low risk, very reliable, and high paying, leaving yourself enough time to pursue something high risk and big reward on the side. So when I apply that to my situation, I'm thinking, okay, I've got my one-on-one service. It is, by its nature, relatively limited, but it does pay well very low risk, and it gives me this opportunity to pursue mastery. At the same time, I can chase something in my my spare time with the opportunity for massive success. Now, for me, there are two, two opportunities I have right now that could be that kind of 
long shot, big time success right now. One is Let's Do the Books, this course that I've created that could fail because it requires a lot of marketing and, and you know, there's a lot of courses out there and I've got to make this course stand out among all those other courses. So it could fail. But if it succeeds, there's really no limit to how much, how successful it could be. I could have thousands and thousands of people per year going through that course. And that'd be great. In fact, that would be much, much more money than my one-on-one service. The beauty of it is I can work on Let's Do the Books as kind of a part-time thing while I continue to pursue mastery in my one-on-one service. And in fact, pursuing mastery in my one-on-one service probably makes me better able to deliver a great course on mastering your finances. So that's how I'm thinking about allocating my time. The other, uh, the other opportunity I have that, that could be big in the long run is this piece of software that I'm kind of slowly, steadily working on that is a companion to my favorite budgeting software. So we don't need to talk about that, but the point is it could be massively successful, but it could also flop. So I'll keep working on that. I'll keep, it'll be there. And either one of these two side gigs could produce huge success for me while I continue to earn my day job income from my one-on-one service. Now, depending on whether you're a risk-loving person or a risk-hating person, you may think that I'm, what I'm saying right now is brilliant, or you may think that what I'm saying now is terrible. I have, I've realized now in my late 30s, I'm not really a risk-loving person. A lot of my friends think I'm risk-loving just because I'm self-employed, but if you look at how I actually act in self-employment, it's, it's a very risk-averse approach. I have this retainer-based business. It's a service business. I spread out the risk across one or two dozen clients. It's, it's a very risk-averse approach to self-employment. I've seen some of my clients who are more risk-loving. They would take the situation that I'm in, and for the sake of something that's much more scalable, much bigger opportunity, they'd kind of throw out their day job. Even I'm not saying their real day job. I'm saying throw out, say, their high-ticket one-on-one offering or their freelancing for the sake of a startup or for the sake of pursuing a big membership website. That's something that I have had a few clients lately who are, who are saying, you know, I'm going to kind of throw all my eggs in a membership website basket. And some of my clients, one of my clients especially, is doing amazingly well with that. I love it. I'm so happy for those people. And then I see other people. I've had other clients who, when they kind of go all in on the risky-er, I'm not going to say risky, but risky-er new venture, and they leave their day job income behind in the form of no longer doing one-on-one coaching or consulting or dropping their freelance design clients or freelance software clients, I've seen them really struggle. Now, I could do another episode on why I think, what I think is the difference between those two groups, between the group that struggled and between the group that, that really hit a home run with their new venture. But what I'm talking about today is that I don't really see any great reason to drop the day job income when if you set your day job up correctly whether that is freelance design, freelance software development, one-on-one coaching, whatever it is, if you set it up correctly, it will leave enough hours in your day and in your week that you can pursue the new thing without having to take unnecessary risk. You can really have your cake and eat it too. You may not grow as quickly. You may not have explosive changes in your income, but you'll be able to keep your lifestyle solid and secure while you pursue the big explosive rewards on the side. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. If you have a great day job, whether that's a real day job or it's a freelance business or it's a coaching business where you do high ticket one-on-one, if you have a good day job and you're getting a little bored or you're not feeling quite as challenged by it anymore 
and you see other opportunities out there that seem exciting, I'm saying I think you should absolutely pursue those things. I'm just encouraging you to be a little bit more thoughtful about how you pursue them. Not only because there's more risk in throwing away the day job, but also because I think that in throwing away the day job, you miss out on learning and growth and the opportunity for mastery. And those things are exciting to me. So as you chase huge results in your life and in your business, by all means, go for it, especially if you're more of a risk-loving person than I am. But do it thoughtfully. Cover your rear end as you go with cash reserves, with high-ticket offerings you can, you can bring in just in case the big, the, big, the big new venture doesn't play out as well or as fast as you think it will. And keep at it. So that's it for this week. Quick one. Hope you're having a great week, and I will talk to you next week.